You are listening to a Live City Church podcast, and we hope you'll experience Jesus today. We are excited to have you join our extended online church family. If you would like further information or wish to access more content, please connect with us on our Live City Church Facebook page or visit us at livecitychurch.com. So Romans chapter 1, go to verse 18. We're going to read there first, verses 18 to 19. Paul is writing uh, to the church at Rome. He says this, the, actually there's no church in Rome, but he's speaking to Gentiles. How's that? In verse 18 he says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. The reality of the glory of God is that it's all over this planet, but people choose not to see it. We see the beauty of creation. We see the beauty of life. And we will see the amazing things, intricacy of creation, and we will still find a way to suppress the truth. It is preached in schools. It is a gospel of atheism that is preached through schools. You can also call it humanism. And we have believed it because it's been spoken over and over and over again. Year after year, I've spoken to some students who knew I was a Christian and knew that I was a pastor and approached me in a state school system. I never, uh, I never actually preached it in, in the classroom because that would be illegal. But if they want to come and ask me questions, I'm allowed to do that. I'm just answering their questions. They want to know. And so I will tell them these things. And I explain to them that in your books, you'll see this evolution, even evolution of man. It's printed and reprinted year after year. And despite the fact that known scientists at the time of those discoveries actually refuted those claims, actually said, that's a hoax. They still kept printing it and kept adding to it. And so, it be, and so people begin to think it's actually fact. Evolution is not a fact. It is a theory. Which means in order for you to believe it, you have to have some element of faith. So they look at us and we think we're foolish because we need faith to believe in a God who made everything. And yet they doubt the fact, they don't understand that it requires faith to become a humanist. To become an atheist, you have to have some element of faith no matter what. To believe that something came out of nothing. And so the Bible is telling us that there are people, a wickedness and godless men, who will suppress the truth by their wickedness. These are not a holy people. There is a war out on your faith. And it is a media that is out there to try to discourage you so that you put your trust in something else. It's a war for your soul. And most Christians aren't even aware of it. Most people don't know. And they become so used to it that they begin to adopt the language of the people of this day and this age. Romans 125, just go a bit down further, continues this idea. Romans 125, these same men, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped 
and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. How many of us are so unwittingly embracing lies as truth because if you say it long enough, you might actually believe it? I, you know, I think, you know, as Christians, we, you know, we're told not to lie. And there's an element where we, we sometimes do lie, you know. Uh, it's that moment when, when you're, you know, you're trying to, your kid's asking you, are we, you know, are we, you know, how much longer have I got? You got five minutes, you know, and five minutes becomes ten minutes. And we're, we're always changing these things just to be safe, you know. Moms and dads, we lock our doors. You know, mom and dad, why is your door locked? Because <laughs> we just want to make sure people don't come in or something. You know, we, we, we do these. I'm not talking about that, you know. We talk about Rahab. Were the spies in your house? No, the spies were in my house. Yes, they were. But for, for a godly reason. I'm not talking about that. But we're talking about an actual lie that is being spoken so much we begin to believe it. Jesus is trying to show you that the truth is right in front of you because he is the truth. And the devil is at war with the truth. Where do I get that from? If you're taking notes, just write these things down. John 8:44 tells us that the devil, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. You notice that when Jesus spoke, he often said, I tell you the truth, because God can't lie. And so it concerns him, and it breaks his heart when we lie, because it's not his nature, and we are created in his nature, in his character. The Bible says in the beginning of time, we are created in his image. The Bible says, God said, do not murder, because God is the author of life. And so it breaks his heart when we do things that are contrary to his nature because we're created to be like him. With the ongoing debate on gender identity and gender expression, I was watching this video. I was going to show you, but it goes for about four or five minutes. So just to cut it short, I thought I'll give you the, the key things. This researcher goes onto university campuses and he asked him this question. So he says, and he tells him, though, okay, so you, you know about the debate with gender identity and gender fluidity and gender expression. Yes, yes, yes. You know, and the big debate is should men be allowed in women's bathrooms? Should women be allowed in male bathrooms? And he says, do you think I could get a clear answer from these university students? So he asked him these questions. <laughs> he said, if I told you I was a woman, what would your response be? And it was, I, I'm thinking to myself, this is unreal. They're so trying, trying to be so politically correct that they're actually avoiding the question. Well, you know, if that's what you feel, if that's what you want to be, yeah, I guess, sure, you're a woman. Okay, okay so, and, and, mo and all of them said that. Yep, okay, you're a woman. And this is a, a white male, five foot nine. If I told you I was Chinese, what would your response be? Well, uh, <laughs> white guy, totally white guy. Well, maybe, maybe you have some Chinese blood, you know, several ancestors ago. I, I'd believe that, I guess, if you told me you're Chinese. Well, well, I don't, but I believe I'm Chinese. Do you believe I'm Chinese? Uh, and it was interesting. No one would say no. They could not bring themselves to this. He says, okay, if I told you I was seven years old, what would your response be? Now they're starting to struggle a little bit because they see where he's playing them. You've been believing me. I've told you I'm a woman. I told you I'm Chinese. Clearly not. But now they're believing these things. Now they have to go with the whole thing. 
uh, well, I guess if you say you're seven years old, okay. And, and they all did. They, every single one said, yes, okay, you're, you're seven years old, okay. If that's the case, can I go and go back to grade one? Can I do grade one and be with little children? You see how it's starting to get a little glue uh, unstuck here? You know, we're talking about now not just gender fluidity. We're talking age fluidity. If you talk, know what I'm talking about. I don't want to say it. Okay, for, uh, for uh, children in here. He goes on to say, if I told you I was six foot five, <laughs> if I told you I was six foot five, what would you say? <laughs> that, was the, that was the only one they struggled with. Like one person says, uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess you are. <laughs> only one person. That was the only one that they had a problem with. They had no problem believing when he said, I'm a female. They had no problem believing that he says, I'm a different race completely. They had no problem believing when he said he was a child. Do you understand how tricky this becomes when you say you're a child? Well, I, it's not pedophilia. I'm going to go there. It's not pedophilia because I'm actually a child. I, 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 uh, I identify as a child. Do you understand? How, where does the line, you know, where, where do you cross the line? We have exchanged the lie for a truth. And it's said so many times we actually believe this. Truth will be attacked. Your truth that you understand, which is Jesus, will be attacked in your life by peer pressure. Your truth will be attacked by the worldly standards. You, listen to Many Christians will speak like the world. Those of you that have been reading through the Bible year after you've read the whole thing. I mean, not just, um, I just love the book of John. I just love the book of Psalms. Read the whole thing. Because you're going to take it out of context. More to that in a moment. You'll be, your truth will be attacked by hardship. Your truth will be attacked by doubt. Your truth will be attacked by sickness. Oh, God, I've been praying. Your Bible says that you heal, but how come I'm not being healed? How come my mom isn't being healed? How come my daughter isn't being healed? Your truth will be attacked by poverty. Oh, God, you said that, you, you know, that you'll prosper us, that you'll, you'll look after us on these things. Why am I struggling with my finances? Why can't I seem to break even? And it seems to be a long, long season. Your truth is constantly being attacked. Your truth will be attacked by the death of a loved one. This one always attacks people. Many Christians of faith for a long time will lose their faith because of the death of a loved one. But I prayed and I prayed. The Bible says that you will heal, but you did not heal my mom, God. So I don't believe in you anymore. The list goes on. Booker T. Washington, an African-American back in the day, uh, one of the bright ones, he said, A lie doesn't become truth. Wrong doesn't become right. And evil doesn't become good just because it's accepted by a majority. When you live long enough as a Christian, you will eventually be confronted with challenges, hardships, and giants in your life that taunt you, humiliate you, suck the life right out of you. And if you have lived long enough and you still call yourself a Christian, you will have learned to understand and lean on the principles of the truth of the Word of God. That truth will be attacked by lies. That truth will be attacked by half-truths. That truth will be even attacked by a truth. Have I confused you completely? Did you know truth can be attacked by truth? Let me give you an example. In Matthew chapter 4, the Bible tells us Jesus was tempted three times by the devil. 
The first time, the devil says to him, remember, the devil came at the end, Matthew says, book of Matthew, at the end of his 40-day fast, the devil came. When he's at his weakest, he's at his hungriest, and he's most tired at this point in time. And he comes to him at that point and says, if you are the son of God, turn these stones to bread. Truth is, he is the Son of God. In fact, if you read the chapter before, Jesus was baptized as he came up out of the water. The Father baptized him with the Holy Spirit and said, This is my beloved Son. Therefore, he is the Son of God. If you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. You're the Son of God anyway. You know, nothing's stopping you from doing that. And Jesus said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Listen to what happens next. The devil takes truth to, to try and fight with truth. He says, if you're the son of God, takes him to the top of the temple, right at the top. He says, throw yourself off this temple because it says in Psalm chapter 91 verse 12 that the angels will keep you from falling and even from dashing your feet on the ground. The devil is using scripture. It is written this, so you can throw yourself off. Jesus said, he changed his words now. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So the problem is, in our Christian walk, if you have not read through the Bible from cover to cover, your viewpoint and your perspective of the Bible is severely limited. This is why Christians will take the gospel, the word of God, out of context And their truth has become warped with the truth because they did not understand the context or the heart behind the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. If you take those words alone and not read them all, you'll miss the heart of who Jesus is. It is a heart of love. It is a heart of compassion. It is a heart of grace. But again, if you do not read the whole word, you will think to yourself, love is only when you give me what I want. Love is only when you don't correct me, but you say, you know what? I know you stuffed up. Just keep going. Keep sinning. I'm okay with it. And we convince ourselves of these, their truths, but it was taken out of context, and we haven't seen the full passages that surround that before and after. It's the whole package. Can I encourage you in your daily walk to start making it a habit to read through the Word of God cover to cover? Stop making excuses. Stop saying, I don't have any time. Because we all have the same amount of time on this planet. I've sat down, I know, I know, it's a big shock to some people. I've sat down with people, and I'm saying this all in love, who will look at me in the eye and say, Pastor, I don't have time. I'm so busy. I say, okay, let's, you know, and I I do this exercise, and it it, it always, (laughs) after a while, reveals and puts things into perspective. Let's sit down and talk about it. I'm too busy to read at night. Okay, let's have a look at your week. Which night are you talking about? Oh, okay, uh, I've got Tuesday, Thursday. But, you know, the rest of the week, okay, let's have a look. Tell me what happens Monday. Well, Monday, I have to go, I'm busy on Monday night. Okay, what are you doing on Monday night? Well, I'm going to the gym. How long are you in the gym? Oh, an hour. How long does it take you to get to the gym? 15 minutes. Okay, so it's, it's an hour and a half round trip. Is that right? Okay. Is that your whole night? Uh, no. What time do you get home? 7.30? So you got three hours. You've done dinner. You've gone to the gym, and you still have another three hours, and you don't have time for the Lord. All of a sudden, it, 
begins to shift. What we're saying is our life and our priorities is more important than who he is. And again, God's not angry. You, you, uh, you know, that's the thing. Our perspective. We have exchanged the truth for a lie. We believe. The devil tries to make us believe this. In the Garden of Eden, he says, did God really say? The sin wasn't the moment they ate from the fruit. This is what you think. This is a mistake. You think that the moment they ate from the tree, that was the sin. No, it wasn't. The sin began the moment they began to doubt the nature and the character of God. That's the truth. He is loving. He is kind. He doesn't put these laws to try and destroy a life. It's the complete opposite. He's saying, I've created you in such a way. I, I know you. I'm giving you an owner's manual so you know how to live your life to the full. And if you live within the constraints, I'm going to draw a line in the sand using my word. As long as you stay within the line, it's safe. Do whatever you want. And you will prosper. You will succeed. You will do well. And you will lessen the grief and the anxiety in your life. See, a lot of people, they're Christians, but they keep they skate on that line. They keep crossing that line, and they're wondering why there's no peace in their life. Now, I understand hardship can come, and that it's outside of your control. That happens too. Don't worry. In fact, God will put you in that position. But many of us, we keep crossing that line. We are placing ourselves in that position, and we're crying out to God saying, he's unfair. We exchange the truth of God for a lie. Until you know the word, apply the word, hold on to the word, it's just some hallmark, feel-good messages that makes you feel good for a moment, but there's no authority in that word. Pastor Mike Bickle says, people are more interested in how they feel about the truth rather than anchoring themselves on that truth. Your feelings are precious. I understand that. But your feelings as real as it is, can be very misleading. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Don't trust your feelings. It will lie to you. And if you keep listening to it, that lie said over and over and over becomes a reality. And you say it to yourself all the time. I am worthless. I am no good. I'm not good looking enough. I'll never find a partner in life. I'll never get that job. This is the best I'm ever going to be. I'll never succeed. I'll never become like them. I know God's built something more, but I guess maybe I was wrong about that. This is it for me. Oh, I'm caught in my life of sin. I can't get over this addiction. This is just who I am. How many people, I know you can relate to some of what I'm saying. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> we can, we've all said these things to ourselves. We have debased ourselves. We have accused ourselves. Try and do it in the mirror for a moment. Next time you do that, try and look at yourself in the mirror and understand God made that person in his image and likeness, and you are speaking against God, the maker. We get away with that because we're not looking at ourselves, but we're heaping insults on ourselves. We are speaking prophetically over ourselves, destroying our lives, and we're okay with it. Can I tell you, God's not okay with it because he loves you so much. You're too precious for him to let that one go. John 8, verse 31 to 32 says this. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, there's a condition. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. If you are reading the word of God and applying some of the word, you're not really his disciple. 
Let this sink in for a moment. Some of you have exchanged some of the laws of God. You're okay with some of these things. I don't like that one, so I'm not going to do it. I don't feel good about that, so I'm not going to do it. See, in the post-Christian world, truth is measured by feelings. And this is where we get unglued. I believe this because I feel this is right. If it feel, You notice what people say. Is it wrong? Well, how do you feel about it? If you feel it's okay, it's not going to hurt anyone, it's all right. And we call those feelings truth. The Bible calls it a lie. And only the word of God is the truth and tells you what is up and which is down. But we've lost our compass and we're losing the way. The proof that something is true for your life is that you can live on it. The power of God's word is only realized when you know the word. Listen to this. It's one thing to know the truth about the word. It's another thing to trust that word. I looked up that word know. I've I've looked at this before. It's interesting. It's the Hebrew word, and it's pronounced more like Yoda, like Star Wars, Yoda, Yoda. It means to know, right? But it's more than that. It means to know by experience, to make oneself known, to reveal oneself, to instruct. The Bible tells us to know the word, to know the word. The first time that word popped up, to know, happens in Genesis chapter 4, where Adam knew his wife Eve and she conceived. It's more than just a knowledge here. We're talking about a complete engagement, body, soul, mind, and spirit, to know the Word of God. I remember it. I could tell you so many stories where things were just not right, and we were being challenged in our life. We went through severe hardship. And I know what the Word of God says. I know its promises, and I've seen it work in other people's life, but it wasn't working in mine. I remember one time when... You've sometimes heard us talk about the story, but it was, it was a big deal in our lives. My wife had just had a little Eden. She was five months old. We moved into a new house, and the builders had finished uh, working on it. 30 grand is what they wanted for that repair. We've been asking them every day how much. They quoted 12. They charged us 30. And we kept saying to them, how much is it going to Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And by the time they finished the job, that was the time that the company I worked for for almost 10 years collapses. And they were in voluntary administration, which meant that we were technically employed by them and that we were threatened that if we took another job, a permanent job, we would forego all our redundancy benefits. So we were not allowed that permanent job. So now I'm in a pickle because I'm the sole breadwinner now because my wife can't do that. She's nursing a little baby. And somehow I've got to bring income into the house. It's in that moment where I'm reminded of that word of God. Malachi chapter 3, God says, test me in this. In the tithes and offerings, give it to me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and see what I'll do. The Bible says, test me in this and see if I will not open the storehouses of heaven and pour out a blessing so great, you will not be able to contain it. And I thought to myself, God, I know your word says that, but I'm struggling. I've got nothing. I've got nothing to show you, barely anything to give. You know, what can we live on? I mean, what I have isn't enough to pay for rent, mortgage, let alone pay for the food in our house or the bills for electricity. How am I going to make this work? But the Bible principle said, test 
me in this. It's the only time the Lord allows you to test him. Test me in this, tithes and offerings, and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing so great your storehouses cannot contain it. So I'm not saying you should do this. It was just the journey we were on. I took a credit card, stupid, but I did. And we said, we're going to pray over this. We're, going to, we're actually literally going to test God. We took our credit card. We would hold it together. We say, Father, in the name of Jesus, we are testing you according to your word, Malachi chapter 3. We just don't have enough to pay for anything. So a little bit more loss is not going to make any difference for us. You've got to do a miracle here. And then we'd pay. The moment we began to do that, that's when we stepped into a miracle realm. And the word of God tested was proven. All of a sudden, people would start bringing us groceries and leaving it at our doorstep. We don't know to this day who it was. Groceries almost daily. There would be envelopes in our mailboxes with cash in it. Now, they didn't know that. I didn't tell anyone in the church. I wasn't a pastor back then, just like you guys, working, working stiff. And somehow, people just kept giving us money. Finances are being released. And before we knew it, all of a sudden, all these other finances began to be released that were being held up for so long. Every bill was paid. I now own that word. I know the word. I know that if I trust him in the tithes and offerings, God will always come through. Church, I want to challenge you to test God at his word. Why don't we stand to our feet as we bring the service to a close? Some of you are being challenged in your journey right now, and your faith is being tested. And you're wondering if you can trust the Lord. I want to challenge you with the word of God. Go back to the word. Talk to the Lord about it. Begin challenging him about that word that's been planted in your life. Ask him, Lord, I'm struggling with this situation. It might be finances. Lord, your word tells us that you'll pour out blessings. That we don't have to be like the pagans who don't know what they're going to eat or what to wear. And they worry about those things. You said, we don't worry about that. Well, Lord, I don't want to worry anymore. For some of you, you're contending for your marriages and your relationships, and you know the Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. So, God, you know, I know that my my wife is a gift from you. So whatever is wrong, God, I'm going to hold you according to your word. Start trusting the word. Can I invite you right now to bow your heads? And I invite you to close your eyes. This is an old school thing that we do, but I just want to give that person next to you a moment with the Lord, not to be interrupted, not to feel that they're under scrutiny. Perhaps this message has resonated with you, and you have been struggling to trust the Lord. Your faith has been in a crisis. The Lord has been speaking to you this morning. I want to give you an opportunity. I want to know who I'm praying for. If that's you, I want you to raise your hands because I'm going to pray for you this morning. Just raise your hands to receive this because we're going to see some breakthroughs in your life. If that's you, just saying, yeah, I've got, I need a breakthrough. I'm really struggling. I am, I'm struggling with my faith. I'm struggling to trust the Lord. I don't know him enough to be able to believe him that he is good. If that's you, would you raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for? And then I'll invite you to put your hands down. Just on the count of three, raise your hand so I can see it. Don't be shy. Every eye is closed in this place. They don't know who you are. Okay, on three. One, two, three. Raise your hand so I can see it. Okay, I'm seeing those hands. I'm seeing those hands. Don't miss out. Okay, God bless you. You can put it down. 
So church, if you can agree with me, we're going to pray for our brothers and sisters here this morning who raise their hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every brave hand that was lifted up. They're saying, I am struggling. That's me. My faith is in a crisis. I, I, my trust in you is in a crisis moment. I'm not really sure if, if I can actually believe that what you say is true, if I can actually believe your word. Father, I pray right now that you would give a, a, a breakthrough anointing, that you would release it in the name of Jesus, that that prayer and that need that they've been contending for for some time, we're going to double up and amp up in our prayer because corporately we're going to agree together for our brother and our sister that this morning there will be a breakthrough in finances. This morning there will be a breakthrough in jobs. This morning there will be a breakthrough in relationships and a turning around, Father God, a restoration of all that has been lost because you are king over our lives and you take care of your subjects in the kingdom. So this morning, Father, we pray that you would glorify your name by answering these prayers and doing it quickly so that there is no mistake but that God came through and turned everything around in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you'd comfort every heart that has been weeping, every heart that has been just so sorrowful in this time of grief. I pray you'd lift them up again, and we speak hope and life into them. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Amen. Give a big hand to the Lord this morning. Let's celebrate Him. Thank you for joining Life City Church, and we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Live City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.